Hey guys, I know it's been a while. Uh, hopefully we get 2024 going into a better start than beginning all this podcast stuff in the middle of 2023 and Quentin and I just trying to figure out how to do this. You guessed it, it's your friend Casey from Let's Tell Their Story. Um, I'm going to go back to the original intro on this. In the United States alone, over 40 over the past 40 years, over 200,000 cases have gone unsolved. And I want to tell the stories that were never solved to hopefully bring light to some of these cold, co cold cases that just sit and collect dust. And through I go through every case with as much research as I possibly can. And not every case it just sits and collects dust. Sometimes it warms up a little bit, the dust, it gets dusted off, and then it gets put back on the shelf again, kind of like today's story. And I give you just the knowledge that I was able to find. And if you have any cases I should look into, email me at letstelltheirstory at gmail.com. This is actually a story that was brought to me by a listener which is very odd considering I should have known about this story because it took place not too far from me. So this episode, honestly, it's going to be a really weird for me since the young lady that, is, that I'll be discussing happens to have the exact same name as a very close family friend in my family. And I vaguely remember this happening when it happened. And if memory recalls, me correctly many of my family members actually thought it was our family friend on august 29th 1993 in anago wisconsin hope springer and james spanbauer welcomed a little girl that they named kayla may burke and her three-year-old brother jimmy became a big brother Kayla was a happy child that always had a smile on her face, even when she was in her toddler years. When Hope and James, they had separated, but they were able to co-parent extremely well. They would still take the kids on camping trips, and the family really enjoyed outdoor activities. Now, despite James being diagnosed with cancer when Kayla was young, James had moved in with his parents where he could get the help as he was going through, going to be going through dialysis. And I'm no doctor and I have no degree in medical, but I did do a little Google research and it could have very well been possible that James was diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma. Um, that seems to be one of the few cancers that involves dialysis. But Kayla was very athletic and into gymnastics. Um, that's, and, that, and she began that at a very young age. By the time Kayla reached her teen years, she started to rebel as many teenagers tend to. I know I did this, sorry mom. I know, and I know mom, you're listening to this case. Um, now, Anago is a typical Midwestern small town where everyone knows everyone, and in reality, you have to go to the nearest large town that here in Wisconsin, we consider those closest cities to be where 
you almost have to go to a larger city and they're not even large cities um, most of our large cities in Wisconsin are right around 50,000 people and a lot of times that's where you can have to go to like upgrade your cellular device or return say cable equipment those are just giving a couple examples and the we're going to be talking about the city that happens to be closest to Anago, which is Wausau. And Wausau will be a big part of this story. So in 2007, when Kayla was only 13, she and one of her best friends, Megan, they started to hang out in Wausau at parties that obviously there was underage drinking going on and probably some marijuana smoking. By 2009, Hope was having a hard time getting a job in the area and had family in Texas that had offered her to come for a fresh start. Hope, this, Hope thought this would be a good idea since Kayla had a boyfriend in Wausau that happened to be four years older than Kayla named Miguel. And Kayla at this time, she was only 15 and Miguel was 19. And Hope wasn't having that. It, and she put a stop to it, to the relationship pretty quickly. Or at least she thought she had put a stop. She told Kayla that she was not allowed to see Miguel anymore. But teenagers will be teenagers and at some point Miguel and Kayla did break up but the details on whether they really did break up are a little hazy. So we'll jump to June of 2009. Hope and Kayla, they'd ventured off to Texas since Jimmy had just graduated high school and had he had turned 18, so he chose to stay in Wisconsin. Kayla was given that choice also to stay in Anago with her dad, but she figured she wasn't going to leave her mom to make it make the move by herself. She's she was a good kid. By t August of 2009, Hope and Kayla they were ready to come back to Wisconsin. Texas hadn't offered the change that they needed. Hope wasn't finding the job and they quickly realized that the high school that Kayla would be attending didn't offer any sort of a gymnastics team and Hope knew this was going to devastate Kayla. She, she was very into her gymnastics and Hope was just, she was aware that Kayla wouldn't be happy without her gymnastics. So when Hope and Kayla, they headed back to Anna go and when they returned Kayla ended up staying with her dad at her grandparents house where they really didn't have room for Kayla but families do what they have to do and they made room for Kayla so Kayla ended up actually sleeping on a cot in the hallway so Kayla didn't have much for privacy she'd go a lot of the times and she would stay at multiple friends' houses like her best friends Megan and Natasha. So on and I bring up Natasha because on August 5th of 2009 Kayla and Natasha had ventured to a party in Anago and on the on August 6th they still weren't home and neither Hope or Natasha's mother had heard from the girls and by that afternoon the two moms they were headed to the police station to report the girls missing 
And that was when Natasha had gotten a hold of her mom. And the girls had just, they had just stayed at the house of the party and all was good. Now, none of, with Natasha, Megan, <clears throat> Kayla, and another friend named Beth in this, Beth will come in a little bit later, but only one of the girls had a cell phone and Kayla was not one of them. Kayla wasn't even much for any sort of social media, but it was 2009. There wasn't, it wasn't on the rage, like now where you wake up and you almost have first thing you do is check your Facebook messages or your Instagram or your twi Twitter, now that is X, on August 11th when it was the day that Kayla had made plans to hang out with her brother Jimmy's best friend, who was 24-year-old Kevin Kilchensky. Now, James was aware that Kayla was going to hang out with Kevin that night and Kevin picked Kayla up around 9 that evening. They had cruised the town of Anago and had even stopped at the McDonald's where Kayla had seen her friend Beth. Well, she had spoke with Beth for a few minutes and Kayla even told Beth that Kevin had gotten Kayla a welcome back gift and that she she would call Beth later. However, that call would never come. Now, it's alleged in probably most likely that Kevin's welcome back gift was marijuana that the two were smoking around Anago. And before they traveled to the nearby town of, nearby city of Wausau, and it's also alleged that this is that Kevin was taking Kayla to go see Miguel. So Kevin drops Kayla off at Miguel's former residence that the city had condemned, stating that the, ho the home was inhabitable. Now, Kayla would have known that Miguel had moved since it had been a about a month or two since the condemnment of the residents. And even with Hope's restrictions on Kayla not to see Miguel and to not attend parties in Wausau, she had actually seen Miguel the Friday previous to Kayla's. Kayla had seen Miguel the Friday previous to her missing if that made any sense. Now, Kayla would have known at this time that Miguel had moved and Kayla had been to the new home. And according to Kevin, he had dropped Kayla off at a dark house that looked as if no one was living there, which obviously there wasn't. And he just up and left without even acknowledging whether or not she had made it into the door. And Kevin then headed back to his home in Deerbrook, where when he was questioned for an alibi, his mother said that she had seen him around midnight that night. James and Hope 
had an understanding with each other that the kids could come and go between the two of them whenever they wished. And when James asked Kevin where Kayla was the next day, Kevin just said that he dropped her off at a friend's house the night before. But he didn't really specify that he dropped her off in Wausau at a friend's house. So Hope was kind of at this time doing her own thing, trying to find a job and getting her life together while she was living with friends of hers. So she didn't realize that Kayla, or that Hope hadn't realized that she had missed a call from James. And when she finally got in touch with James, he informed Hope that Kayla hadn't come home. So Hope begins to call all of Kayla's friends, but none of them had seen her except for Beth, who said that she had seen and talked to Kayla and that Kayla was going to call her, but she never got the, got the call from Kayla. So Hope and James, for a little while there, they thought that Kayla was at one or the other's house and didn't get too riled up about things since the August 6th events had taken place. Uh, and then it was it took a couple of days and after the phone call to James, Hope and James they were a little worried, but now with Kayla's little stunt that she had pulled uh, just it was just a few days prior that Kayla and Natasha hadn't come home. Hope and James didn't want to get ahead of themselves, so they just continued to call around, but no one had seen or heard from Kayla. So on the 17th of August, they finally reported Kayla missing. This was six days later. Miguel was interviewed and said that he hadn't seen Kayla since the previous Friday before Kayla went missing, like I'd said earlier. And Kevin stuck to his story that he dropped her off and his alibi was his mom in Deerbrook saying that he was home by midnight. Now on the 26th, 2009 though, Kevin was charged with second degree reckless endangerment, which is a felony. Now don't get too excited because on August 11th, 2011, the charges were dropped due to lack of evidence. And after that, Kevin no longer continued to cooperate with the police. So before Kevin stopped cooperating with the police, both Miguel and Kevin, their cars were taken into possession and processed for forensic evidence with trained cadaver dogs that were these cadaver dogs were trained specifically to scent for bodily remains. Now, the dogs did hit on a car in a lineup of 10 cars that had, these cars had included Miguel's and Kevin's cars. Guess which car they hit on? Kevin's. And these cadaver car dogs had also hit on Kevin's parents' 
home and the potato farm that Kevin worked at, but there wasn't any actual physical evidence that could lead. All they had was the cadaver dogs that they had a scent. Now, this wasn't the only thing that the the police had subpoenaed or taken into custody. They had subpoenaed both Kevin and Miguel's phone records. Well, Miguel's records corroborated the story that he had given police and Kevin's phone records showed that Kevin's phone had either died or had been turned off between 9 p.m. and 2 p.m. the next day. Now, that would seem weird, but the phone records showed that Kevin actually had a habit of doing this. It was 2009 really the only battery that never died was a Nokia. And while they subpoenaed those phone records, they discovered that Miguel had a second phone and that phone had pinged off towers 40 miles north of Wausau in Lincoln County the very same night that Kayla had disappeared. When Miguel was questioned about the second phone, he had already stopped cooperating with the police. The police, they did search the area of the second, where the second phone had pinged, but nothing was found. Sadly, in 2011, James, Kayla's father, sadly lost his lifetime fight with cancer. In James's obituary, his survived by does include Kayla. After the charges on Kevin had been dropped, it seemed as though Kayla's case went cold until October of 2016. And I'm not sure if I want to say the powers of the internet or the powers of YouTube, which YouTube really wasn't a huge thing in 2016. It was just starting to make its way into content creators and whatnot. But there was a very disturbing video that came to light. And when I say disturbing, I could only watch this video once. And I won't even play the video for you to hear it. I will give you the gist of the video. And you're more than welcome to look it up because it's not hard to find this video. It is known as the High Walter video. And I'm giving you a warning. I'm warning you. This this video is very difficult to watch. So basically what it is, is a young man is talking to the camera as though he is talking to his friend, Walter. And he's telling Walter about he, how he found a girlfriend at the mall and all the fun stuff they did when the young man says something to the effect that she doesn't want to be seen but he's going to show Walter anyway and he shoots to a locked door opening and a young lady on a cement floor tied up screaming I didn't ask for this help me now how exactly does a YouTube video open up a cold case well, the young lady in 
the YouTube video happened to look a lot like Kayla and she really does look a lot like even I was like is that her it wasn't the fact that the video was found in October of 2016 and that the young lady looked like Kayla it was because the original High Walter video was posted exactly two months in October 2009 after Kayla's dis disappearance and it just happened to be bad timing on the actors in the video and they didn't even know about Kayla's case and in the video the young lady has a red tank top and jeans on and that was just so happened to be exactly what Kayla was wearing the night that she went missing now, the video caught the attention of not just the police department, but Hope had viewed the video also and was almost convinced it was Kayla also, too. The police did look into the video, and it turned out to just be some actors doing a skit or something to that effect. And the girl in the video was an active participant, and things were cleared up. There was also another content creator on YouTube that was supposedly the young lady in the video, but she actually made her own YouTube thing saying that it was not her. She wouldn't have ever done anything like that. She was just wanting to clear things up. After the video is all cleared up, and of course, once again, Kayla's case goes cold for a couple years. So, and it's brought back into back to light when 13-year-old Jamie Kloss was kidnapped out of her home on October 15th, 2018. If you're not familiar with Jamie's kidnapping, it, I'm just going to give you a recap of what happened. It's more, it's not... A brief recap I'll give you that right now it is not a brief recap because there's just no way to do this a brief recap and not give it Jamie some justice um, 21 year old Jake Thomas Patterson broke into the class family resident at 1253 a.m. on October 15th and this was his third attempt to kidnap Jamie. Only this time he was armed with a shotgun and wearing a black coat and ski mask. When he approached the front door, Jamie's father, James Kloss, had shown a light through the glass of the front door and told Patterson to show his badge. Patterson called out to James Kloss and told him to open opened the effing door and he shot once at James and fatally killed him. Patterson continued through the house checking all the rooms because he wasn't going to leave any witnesses. When he came across the bathroom door was locked. Jamie and her mother Denise were in there where Denise was comforting 13 year old Jamie and was also Denise was also making a 911 call where Denise didn't utter a single word. Patterson was 
shooting the bathroom door to get it open when dispatchers called back they got Denise's voicemail Patterson had already gotten into the bathroom and killed Denise his motivation all along was to kidna kidnap Jamie and to not leave any witnesses officers had arrived at the home within four minutes of that 911 call but they were too late in those four minutes, Patterson had tied Jamie's wrists and feet together with duct tape, forced her into the trunk of his car, and he almost slipped on the blood of Jamie's parents on his way out the door. And he was already on his way to the cabin. He thought that Jamie was too afraid of him to ever try to escape, so he basically changed, had her change into a different set of pajamas, made her crawl underneath his bed, boxed it in, locked her in for the first night, and then he figured she was just way too scared to ever leave him. However, Jamie did escape 88 days later on January 10th, 2019. When Patterson left, told Jamie he was leaving for a couple hours, she made her escape. She found a woman who was walking her dog, and the woman recognized Jamie right away from the news coverage of her kidnapping. And when the police removed Jamie from the area from her, for her own safety, she was able to give a full description of Patterson and Patterson's vehicle, which had actually pulled to the side of the road when police originally were dispatched out to the Kloss home after the 911 call. They, they literally crossed paths. Within, a few, within minutes after Patterson, Patterson drove by the house, Deputies stopped him, and when he exited the vehicle, he just he got out and he just said, I did it. Now, with Jamie's kidnapping and rescue, it brought new hope to Kayla's case. And with information that had been gathered through the investigation, a profes professional search of 11 square miles of the Nicolette National Forest had been conducted nothing was found in those 11 square miles and they stated that the area would be searched again now I couldn't find anything on whether a second search had been conducted as of while I'm writing this on January 1st 2024 there have been a few theories to what actually happened to Kayla that night the strongest and most believable is that Kevin did something to Kayla. For what reason, we will never know. The second, almost as strong, but a little less likely, is that Miguel had something to do with Kayla's disappearance. After all, his second phone had pinged 40 miles north of Wausau. And the third, not completely out there theory, is that if Kevin did just drop Kayla off at the condemned house she was and just left that she may have been met with foul play by a complete stranger now with progression photos of Kayla there have been claims of Kayla's sightings 
a mother-in-law in Louisville, Kentucky was convinced that her daughter-in-law was Kayla because her, her daughter-in-law had very similar features to Kayla and the daughter-in-law had a sketchy past. Another claim was that Kayla was a cashier at a gas station in Texas, which kind of makes sense, though, with the Texas family connection, or that she's been hiding out and living a completely different life in Boston. However, none of these claims panned out, and every one of the claims were looked into. After Kayla's disappearance, Kevin and Jimmy's friendship deteriorated, and I'm not one bit shocked by this. Uh, I would imagine one of my family members, one of my siblings went missing and it was my best friend was the last person seen with them. I don't think I would ever talk to them again either, especially when they're being sketchy about information. And that has been the story of the disappearance of Kayla Mae Berg. If you have any information about Kayla's disappearance, please contact the Langlade County Sheriff's Department at 715-627-6411. And as always, stay safe, but stay curious.